Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast by your friends at Woodward Financial Advisors. I'm Victor Colella, Certified Financial Planner and Wealth Advisor here at Woodward Advisors, and I'm joined today by Alex Rashani, who is also a Certified Financial Planner and the newest member of the team here, and we're happy to have him. Welcome, Alex, to the podcast. Thank you, Vic. Happy to be part of the team, and I appreciate you inviting me on the podcast today. Yeah, we're happy to have you, especially because uh, this is a really important topic. So it is back to school season, as so many of you know. And for us, when we were thinking about you know what to do for our next podcast, what came to mind was education planning. So our universities, and we're of course in Chapel Hill, so the students are back. So we're starting to think about college planning, and a lot of our clients are thinking about it too. So we're going to talk today about sort of a specific part of college planning. I mean, we could be talking about student loans, tax breaks for folks who are paying for college, a lot of other topics, but we really want to focus on the front end. So if you have a young child or, or about to welcome a new member of the family and you want to start thinking about college, uh, we're, we're at that stage of the planning process for our podcast today. So Alex, before we jump in, I need to sort of say our obligatory disclaimer, which is that none of what we're about to say here is meant to be advice specific to your situation. So this is for educational purposes only. And uh, if you're looking for that advice that's specific to you, whether it's tax planning or investment related or estate planning, you have to go to your tax advisor, estate planning attorney, or financial advisor. So having said that, uh, Let's dive right in. So why why is this such an important topic, Alex? Yeah, Vic, thanks for setting the stage. It's important because it's such an expensive item for so many people, and you, you can't necessarily just come up with the cash to pay it, right? When we look at the numbers for the 2020 to 2021 school year, the four-year in-state tuition and fees averages around $10,500 annually. That goes up to $27,000 if you're looking out of state. And if you're paying for a four-year private nonprofit, you may need to shell up up to $36,500 per year on average, which is a lot for people to shoulder. Right. And I'm sure many of us off the top of our heads can think of examples where the bill is even higher, especially when you start to look at some some private, uh, smaller private schools. So it's expensive. So we're, we're all on the same page about that. And and it's getting more expensive faster than other things are getting more expensive. So it's been inflating over the past, I think this trend has been around for a couple of decades at least, way faster than sort of your your normal inflation. So I think around 6% annually, and that number changes depending on on sort of the timeframes that you're looking at. That's right, Vic. So yeah, yeah so ha- having said that, Alex, I think let's sort of go go through what our, our goal is of this conversation. So we're talking about savings. And and uh, the reason why we're talking about savings and is is that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. So we're all on the same page about that. And, and that's because you can invest those dollars and potentially grow them to, to a lot more later on. And that then begs the question in, in, in our mind, which is where should I do that savings? How much should I save? Which is a question we won't necessarily answer today because that's individual to you, but what type of vehicles or investments should I be using in order to do that? So we're going to talk about the sort of 
the big three in our minds, which are the most popular and the ones that we end up talking about with most of our clients as options. And those are the 529 savings plan. And Alex is going to dig into these in a big way. Custodial accounts. So this is UTMA or UGMA accounts, which are uh, sort of a, a slightly different way to give money to your kids or, or minors in general. And then your own dollars, your own accounts, your own savings. So, so those are the three that we want to cover. And I think we should dive right in, Alex, to the first one, which is 529 plans. So 529 college savings plans. So give us the big picture. Let's do it, Vic. So like you said, 529 college saving plans, definitely the most popular that comes to mind from the most most people. And that's probably because college savings is in the name. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, these 529 plans, you open them with a state. Each state has their own. You make contributions. You invest them in uh, typically mutual funds. There may be some states that offer slightly different options, but generally speaking, they're going to be mutual funds. And you watch those grow. You can, can continue to contribute and use those for college expenses down the road. Um, now, why do people use these over other vehicles? Largely comes from the tax benefits. Now, that can come on the front end. In some states, you'll find that they'll give you a state tax deduction. Other states, you don't get that deduction. Um, and they can often be limited at the state level. But then on the back end, you're going to find, regardless of what state you're in, if you use it for the proper designated purpose, you're going to save yourself taxes on the growth in that account. Well, Alex, and I'll jump in and, and just shed a little bit of light on, so what are these qualified, so the terms that you'll hear are qualified education expenses. And those are things like tuition. So tuition and fees. Uh, some books, if you're using them for, you know, they have to be for college. You can't buy, you know, your favorite novel with these dollars. But so college-related technology expenses, some room and board if it's specifically for college, uh, but it's limited, right? So you have to spend those dollars on those types of expenses or what, Alex? Don't, don't say the P word. <laughs> so you can also use them for expenses that you've incurred, like paying back student loans. You can use them for... Um, uh, for the K through 12 private education, um, I think it's important to to add that in. Right, right, and and that the number of the different expense or types of expenses you can use these for have expanded over time. For some of those things that you just mentioned, Alex, but what you can't do is spend them on a new car uh, because that's when a penalty comes into play. So instead of not having to pay tax on that growth, and I'll give an example here in a moment. Uh, you then have to pay taxes on the growth plus a penalty of 10%, which you, of course, want to avoid at all costs. So specifically, I want, I want to just compare the 529 taxation to if you just save this money into your brokerage account, for example. So if I saved $100 today, that grew to $1,000 in 10 years, and I took those dollars out to pay for anything. I would have to pay capital gains tax on the $900 of growth that happened in that account. 
the difference here that Alex is talking about is that if if this was inside of a five two nine plan, and you use those dollars to pay for tuition for uh, for your son or daughter's college expenses, you get all of those dollars tax free, uh, which is of course the main benefit. Absolutely, that's right, Vic. And you know those benefits do come with some restrictions. These are often the restrictions that give people pause. Um, Oftentimes, it's why they come to us to talk through them. And those restrictions are, uh, as we've discussed thus far, how you can use them. And ultimately, uh, there are some ways around that, right? Maybe you get a scholarship and you're able to use the proceeds in that 529 for other things uh, to offset that scholarship. You can transfer the benefit from you know, your brother to your sister, your son to your daughter, downwards from your son to your, your grandson. There's a number of different ways you can go uh, to give yourself more flexibility in that regard. Yeah. And another, another one of the cons that some folks point out with these plans is that you, you typically have limited investment options. So it's not like if you open an account at, at, Vanguard or TD Ameritrade, and you're able to invest in basically the entire population of publicly traded investments. That's not the case inside of these 529 plans, and the the options vary state by state. Some are better than others, uh, and we we tend to use for our clients' benefit the Utah 529. It's called My 529 Plans because we like the options. So a little bit of research will help you sort of figure out what what plan has what you're looking for. Um, and the, the question that we can't answer today is how much I should fund in this 529 plan. So some folks fear over-contributing for the reasons that that we've talked about, which is, okay, let's say we save $100,000 in, in our 529 for our son, Alex. In this case, uh, young Alex here. Uh, but Alex decides he wants to do a two-year program uh, or gets a full ride because Alex is very smart. Uh, or whatever the case is, you do have that flexibility. You could use those funds for graduate school. Uh, That's another thing that we haven't mentioned. I mean, maybe Alex wants to go back and get his PhD later in life. Uh, You keep those dollars in there and you can can do that. Absolutely. Well said. Thanks for the compliment. And if you're looking for a place to park $100,000, I'll open a 529 for myself. (laughs) No worries, Vic. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right. Well, I think this is a good time to move on to our next. So custodial accounts. So these are UTMA, so Uniform Transfer to Minors Act. So it's naming the the laws that put these into effect. And Uniform Grants, Gifts to Minors. Man, I got that wrong last time as well. So Uniform Gifts to Minors Act. And both of these, it depends on the state, which one you'll see. Uh, So Alex, before I mess it up anymore, why don't you give us the big, big, big picture about these accounts? Yeah, absolutely. Well, ultimately, they're accounts, much like your own brokerage account, that is set up specifically for a child, a minor, as the name implies. And like your brokerage account, you can invest in pretty much anything under the sun, right? It's got the flexibility to hold mutual funds, to hold ETFs, hold individual stocks, you know, all sorts of different investment options. And one of the key benefits is flexibility. You know, it, it, it fixes 
some of the problems that people see in the 529 from the inflexibility of it in the sense that it can be used for anything. So we were thinking of it today in the purpose of college planning, but it could very easily be pivoted to be used for paying for a wedding, uh, paying for a car, for a first home, as long as it is in in there for the benefit of the minor, it's it's game, right? Well, and I don't want to be a downer here, Alex, but there there are also two. So this is not dissimilar to the five two nine account, but this is a an irrevocable gift to the child. When you put money into this ca- account, uh, that child. So they can't own it yet because they're a minor, right? So there are different rules in different states about this, but uh, they can't own it yet. So you are the custodian as the account owner for the child. So you have to use them for the child's benefit. And there's no tax benefit in the same way that you have in the five. I wouldn't say there's no tax benefit, but in the 529 account, all that growth, you don't have to pay taxes on it along the way if you use it for the right things. And and that's not the case for. UTMAs. That's right, Vic. Yeah. And your example before that $900 of growth, you're paying tax on it. You're paying capital gains. You don't have that that same benefit the 529 is providing. Um, another you know, pothole in the road for some people is that the money in this account legally becomes that child or that minor's money at the age of majority. That varies by state. It's typically around age 18 and they can basically call up wherever this uh, this company is that, that's holding your UTMA, UGMA account and say, this is my money now and, and use it as they please. So that can be a, a hurdle to really consider. Yeah. And, and, and sort of maybe one final comment here on these is that you'll say, then why don't I just put it in my own brokerage account, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But sometimes the answer is, so a lot of our clients have multiple children which happens, of course, and they want to make sure they're giving equally to each child. So uh, maybe one wants to go to college, one doesn't want to go to college. Maybe uh, maybe you just, you just really want to be able to make a clear deposit in something that is irrevocable where you can't get that money back and use it for yourself. And sort of there's this symbolic gift to the kids or, or, or for equality purposes. And UTMAs or UGMAs are good for that. Um, even though they don't hold some of the same tax benefits. But there are a lot of other benefits, uh, especially being sort of investment flexibility, which a lot of folks favor. Okay, I think we'll move on to sort of our final option here, which is invest your own dollars in your own accounts for your child's benefit for future college or other expenses. So Alex, this one's maybe a little bit more familiar to folks, but why don't you give the sort of the big picture again? Absolutely. Well, uh, funny enough, this is a strategy that sometimes people walk into unintentionally. You know, it's uh, <laughs> we've all we've all had it where you close your eyes and you you look up. You man, a year's gone by, two years gone by, eighteen years can go by right before your eyes, and <sighs> if you've not saved, this might be the uh, the avenue we're going down. Um, but that being said, some people do choose to proactively implement this strategy. And it's ultimately one of the more flexible, if not the most flexible option, because what you will say mentally put aside for the, the child can easily be p- 
pivoted and used for yourself, right? You, uh, you have a child that gets a full ride or whatever the case may be. You can say, well, this is now for me. This is for my retirement again or whatever your goal is. Um, so that, that's one of the benefits of it. But there are two common paths that we look at. One is a brokerage account, which is a taxable account, not dissimilar in many ways from the minor account we were talking about. You put money in, it grows, you pay capital gains on uh, any growth when you sell it. Uh, or, or it's worth mentioning, we haven't really said this exclusively, but you also pay tax along the way if you get dividends or interest income. I, I don't want to give the wrong idea that you only pay tax when you sell it. That all depends on what investments you choose. Uh, so just a, a bit of a disclaimer on that. That's a very good point. Thank you, Vic. Uh, the the other avenue that we see people use is an IRA and typically a Roth IRA. And the benefit of that is that you can use certain IRS exceptions to take money out of that IRA before you're at retirement age and use it for educational expenses. Um, and so that gives you that that room to pivot again, where maybe you go that route with it, maybe you use it for yourself, and you still have some potential tax advantages there. Right. And this this isn't a selfish option or only for those of us who procrastinated. But sometimes this is what we recommend. Because the, the fact of the matter is that you can take out student loans easily for college. And then pay them back later, help your kids pay them back later, whatever the case may be. You can't do that so easily for your own retirement. So sometimes this is just what makes the most sense. Uh, and it's not because folks don't want to help their kids as much, but you have to think about the big picture. And the big picture is that if you run out of money in retirement, your kids are the ones that are going to have to support you uh, or if they decide they want to or not, which is no guarantee. So that's always something that that makes this option look a little more attractive. Absolutely. And, and I think it's it's important to say that none of these options are single options in a vacuum, right? You can use a combination and, and often we recommend using a combination of these different approaches for the various flexibilities that, that they offer. Right. And, and that is an absolutely great point for us to end on because sometimes we'll get caught up in saying which one's best when the reality is none of us have to choose. You, you can use all of these tools to your benefit and a lot of folks do. So, Alex, unless you have a closer, I, I think it's worth mentioning uh, that this is hopefully the first in a series where we're talking about different educational planning topics. Uh, but but we really appreciate your listening. Thank you, Alex, for for sort of being here for this first one, and, and we'll we'll look forward to the rest. We love your suggestions. It's worth mentioning if you have topic suggestions or, or want to hear about anything that might be most important to you. Uh, there are a few ways for you to share that with us. So. Our website is woodwardadvisors.com, and we encourage you to check out our website, but also there's a Let's Talk page on the website that you can use that online form and, and put podcast in the subject. You also can email us at podcast at woodwardadvisors.com, and uh, I will get that suggestion, and we'll hopefully work it into the rotation. On our website, check it out. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and those links are up there. Uh, thanks for listening. We look forward to our next podcast.